Hey everybody, this is Sam, that girl with the curls, bringing you another awesome episode, if I do say so myself, and do quite regularly, frequently in fact. Um, this is uh, this is a really good episode. I mean, not that the last um, 54 haven't been good, but this is one I was, I, I never thought this was going to happen in terms of people I could get um, on this podcast, and you know, it, it was really cool. Uh, this is Fiona Staples. If you haven't read the description of the episode yet, uh, Fiona is a, an amazing artist, bo- most well known at this point for drawing Saga and also for reinventing um, or redesigning uh, Archie for its uh, its new revamping, rebooting whatever you want to call it. Uh, she's also worked on uh, Mystery Society, as well as um, a, you know some Marvel and DC books. Uh, so she, she's been around for a while, and I just love her art so much. So I was really, really excited to talk to her, and I kept, I kept the fangirling down as much as I could. I was told, you know, maybe to try to keep it in check, but I make no promises, and uh, I think it turned out well. So uh, I will leave that up to you to decide. Uh, this was just, a, it was a great conversation. Fiona's uh, awesome to talk to. And um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say except for uh, enjoy and come back for more. I just checked. It was like it was on headphones for some reason. I have no idea. Oh, there's always something. Every, every podcaster interview ever starts like this way. Oh my god! Like uh, I, I just put up an episode today that was recorded Tuesday, but my um, tablet started freaking out, and I didn't think I would even get the audio off of it. Oh really? Oh my god! It was. I figured it out. Huh? Did you salvage it, though? I did. I figured it out last night. Uh, the The software I used to record actually can extrapolate data, um, like, raw. And so we sounded like chipmunks at first. <laughs> and then I had to uh, slow it down a little bit. Uh, you're an audio genius, then. <laughs> I'm, I'm becoming <laughs> one. <laughs> like, this has given me, like, a, I can probably just put sound engineer now on my resume. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, might as well at Add this point. <laughs> I'd be like, well, what is your experience? Like, well, I can just fix everything. Let's just say that. Practical <laughs> <laughs> real world experience. Exactly. Like, I record podcasts. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, how are you doing? Oh, pretty good. Excellent. Pretty good. Just finished 
finishing up Saga 34 right now. Oh no, yeah, good, okay. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, other than the, the slight panic of Skype, I, I'm doing excellent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, uh, I, I told my friends that I was talking to you because this would be my fangirl moment. Um, and they were like, don't fangirl too much. And I'm like, I make no promises. <laughs> no. no, fangirl away, please. Oh, excellent. I good. was flattering. <laughs> do you do many of these kinds of interviews at all? Or you know, where people are like, oh my God, Fiona, hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't done any interviews in a long time. Oh, really? Oh, okay. For, I don't know, maybe a couple of short email questionnaires. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so no pressure, no pressure, Sam, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get back in the saddle. <laughs> I'm a year off of, like, everything. <laughs> does, uh, does Saga do that to you? Make you kind of like, okay, I've got to just shut out the rest of the world at this point. Yeah, well, especially last year it did, because I took some extra work, like RT. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't able to take my regular, like, time off. Yeah, I had to really buckle down. <laughs> so I didn't do any cons last year or much um, promotion or anything like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. and, and we are recording, so we can just kind of jump into it um, and everything, because because uh, it's Fiona Staples on that girl with the curls. Yay! <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I know. Nice having me on your show. Thank you so much. No, this was a. Uh, uh, I'm not going to say it was, like, a long time coming or anything, but this was kind of, like, one of those, like, dream interview kind of things for me. It was kind me. of a long time coming because I kept putting it off. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for asking me last summer. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, yeah, but it was mostly because, I mean, I actually just, like, emailed you out of the blue because I was like, I don't know if this is going to even stick or if she'll, you know, want to. But, because uh, I've been, you know, I had been reviewing Saga for when I was at Word of the Nerd for quite some time. Uh, and you're the reason I got to write the phrase, um, what, tasteful orgy, uh, in a review. <laughs> Thank you. I like to think it was tasteful. It was well done. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed your reviews. I don't, I don't go around reading all the reviews. No, no. And I, I don't, I don't review as much anymore, as much as I used to anymore either. But, uh, uh, but yeah, no, Saga was one of those those books that I was just like, I have to review this every time they came up for like, who's going to review what I was like, I get saga and I will fight everybody who (laughs) tries to get it from me. (laughs) Well, I feel like your reviews are very thoughtful and well-written and, um, you you know, you had some good insights and noticed things that I felt like most people maybe didn't. So. Oh, cool. (laughs) Yay. I noticed things. (laughs) So I'd be a good person to talk about myself with. I, you know, I'd hope so. I don't know. <laughs> Again, I will probably gush and be unintelligible at certain points, so I apologize in advance. <laughs> no worries. Um, so I actually kind of wanted to start pre-saga uh, for, for right now, and um, I was just kind of curious, like, uh, with uh, becoming an artist, was that always something that you wanted to do, or was it something you more or less, like, stumbled into or fell upon? <laughs> Sorry, that just cut out for, like, oh. your entire question. Sorry. <laughs> and I, I didn't catch any of it. Uh, was uh, becoming an artist something that you were, uh, you know, fixing to do? Was that something you wanted to do from the start, or did you fall into it, or uh, just kind of stumble upon the career? Um, I for sure wanted to be an artist of some kind for mm-hmm. my whole life since, you know, I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always drawing uh, or painting or doing crafts or whatever, so... I knew I wanted to go into the arts. I didn't know exactly what field. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because as a kid, you don't really know what options are available to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was in high school uh, when I started reading comics and in college that I started drawing them. And that was when I decided to make it a 
career. What was the uh, what were the comics that you were reading in high school? Oh man, <laughs> it was uh, it was like the late '90s, early 2000s. So an interesting time for <laughs> North American comics. <laughs> I was reading well, a lot of Top Cow. Mostly. Oh, <laughs> um, that was sort of what got me into comics. Was uh, Rising Stars, mm-hmm. the Straczynski book, um, because a, a girl in my math class just sort of lent it to me, and we we just read them at our desk in the back of in the back of math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got hooked on Rising Stars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I showed up at the comic store in the mall and was like, do you have anything else like Rising Stars? And he just pointed me towards the top cow shelf. So <laughs> I got into <laughs> all of that Michael Turner stuff, like Fathom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Aphrodite 9 was coming out at the time. Mm-hmm. All of this Tony Daniels stuff, like mm-hmm. um, Adrenaline was this mini series about like a goth robot. <laughs> <laughs> you know the typical stuff that people are reading. <laughs> Early 2000s stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the yeah, oddly enough I have um, Michael Turner's version of Big Barda is tattooed on my arm. No, yeah, it was uh, one of like the bigger tattoos that I ever got, um, and it was a long process, but yeah, I just loved his version of her in, um, I think it was what, Jeff Loeb's Superman Batman run. So I was just like, I want that version on my arm right now. <laughs> he certainly drew very beautiful women. Yes, he did. <laughs> At least this one was covered up. <laughs> but also really nice seascapes. Oh, really? Know? Yeah. I feel like no one ever talks about his lovely ocean floors. Not something that people want to bring up in conversation a lot of people. No, no, the guy can draw a coral reef just as well as he can draw a, you know, girl in a bikini. <laughs> Were those things that you noticed a lot about, like, artwork? Did you, I mean, other than, like, the, the you know, body work or whatever, were you looking at, you know, details of landscapes and, and things like that? Um, yeah, you know, I just wanted it to look pretty overall. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a lot of those guys were good draftsmen. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if, I don't know, maybe the style looks kind of out of date now, or, like, the way <laughs> they pose their girls isn't something I would do. But, <laughs> you know, you mean you don't want... I was really into it. They were fun books. A lot of them had female leads. Mm-hmm. You could argue that they're just cheesecake or whatever. But as a teenage girl, I gravitated towards that. There's definitely, I mean, there's definitely value in cheesecake a lot of times. I mean, even for, for women, we, you know, we, we got to get our, our books where we can sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, there's, you know, much more out there now. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I just thought it was cool to see, like, a sexy, ass-kicking female hero on the cover of the book. Mm-hmm. And then there was that goth robot. And <laughs> yeah. Well, she was just, she was awesome. <laughs> she had, like, massive goth boots and, like, blue lipstick. And she was just, like, this tiny teen goth robot. Mm-hmm. That sounds like and a cartoon. She was, like, a Soviet goth robot. So, oh, my God, you just made it, yeah. like, infinitely better with the Soviet part, too. <laughs> like, the memory is hazy, but that, that sounds right. <laughs> it, it almost sounds like a cartoon I might have watched in, like, the, the late 90s or something like that. Yeah, something that might have been on MTV. Oh, definitely, yeah. Like, right up there with, like, their Darias and Aeon Fluxes and everything. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, so when you started drawing in, in college, then, what were you... Were you developing your style? Were you aping uh, different styles before you figured it out? Or, you know, what was your process, I suppose? Yeah, well, I was basically, in high school, I was at the stage where I was drawing adrenaline 
in my school notebooks. Mm-hmm. I was copying Tony Dennett's drawings and um, Joe Mad and Mark Silvestri. I was basically just copying all of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but once you get into art college, you're not really as frowned upon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's great that you can do that, but maybe try yeah. developing your own. Broaden <laughs> your scope a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I practice different media because in your foundation year, you're meant to be training in like sculpture, uh, printmaking, drawing and painting, and a variety of different media. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I majored in illustration where we were taught sort of uh, more formal techniques and I tried to kind of break away from the anime comic book style that that I had been using in high school. Uh, So when I did get back to drawing comics sort of at the end of my, at the end of my college career, uh, I brought a lot more into it, Mm -hmm. a lot more uh, varied influences. (laughs) (laughs) Like this time I'm going to work more from a Da Vinci angle. And, uh... yeah. <laughs> this time I'm going to try to apply all the things I learned, like perspective and rendering. <laughs> oh, those things, that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Anatomy. <laughs> Go figure that someone actually pays attention to how the body works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so college was good for me. No, it... to break out of the artistic rut that I might have been in otherwise. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and you're from Canada, you're in Calgary. Um, do you, do you notice like there's a, a difference between like uh, like how Canadians kind of approach artwork versus like maybe the more American system in terms of comic books at all, or is, is it roughly the same? Hmm. I don't know. That's really hard to say because um, there's such a huge range of styles and approaches in both countries. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's way more American artists. <laughs> I think the Canadian comic artist community is sort of smaller. Mm-hmm pockets of activity in Calgary and Vancouver and Toronto. Uh, and I think each scene sort of has, I don't know, their own their own connections and their own way of doing things and their own sort of social scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in Calgary, mm, there's a lot of ACAD grads, Alberta College of Art and Design, okay. where I went. A lot of ACAD grads ended up going into comics, interestingly. Um, Bradley Rosmo. Mm-hmm. Was a, like a year ahead of me. Okay. Um, Simon Roy went there. Jillian Tamaki. Lots of people. Um, I'm not really answering the question. No, it's, I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a very subjective one as well. So it's just like, <laughs> sure, there's a scene. We have rumbles all the time, and uh, <laughs> like. yeah, I think uh, people who went to the same school tend to have certain artistic habits in common. Mm-hmm. You guys just kind of like learn from each other as you're going and. Yeah. Yeah. When I went to school with, liked giving all their characters, like, red noses. <laughs> red noses. <laughs> that became sort of a thing. <laughs> it's like, they all went to clown college. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Like... So, you know, other cities probably have their little quirks, too. <laughs> but I don't know if I could look at someone's art and determine if, whether they're Canadian or American. Oh my god, that would be amazing if someone could do that. <laughs> Be like, yes, clearly Canadian. Like, how can you tell? <laughs> Red nose, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's cold up there. <laughs> All the time. You guys are, I, I don't know where Calgary is is in um, you know, uh, association with, like, the East Coast right now, but are you guys, like, hunkering down for blizzards at all, or? Um, well, we're just sort of 
right above Montana. Oh, okay. So there's snow, but nothing out of the ordinary. <laughs> nothing you're not used to wading through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in Washington? Yeah, I'm in Washington State, so uh, we're actually, it's like 50 degrees outside right now, so we're we're kind of like, what is going on? We don't, we don't understand anymore. <laughs> if we do get snow here, we just freak out, like most people, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone just goes like, oh. Totally yeah, we, pretty much, I, I remember there was an article a long time ago where they were talking about why we're so unprepared, um, because, like, we're just, like, we're built on hills and everything, so we just never factored in snow. <laughs> so. No, you spend all your time preparing for earthquakes. Yeah, we're waiting for the big one. <laughs> the big tsunami. Exactly. And even then, we're not even, I don't even know if we're preparing all that much. <laughs> well, what can you do, really? <laughs> it's true. It's like, sit around, drink a cup of coffee, and be like, yep. Just get your affairs in order. <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> Everyone's just running to their lawyer to find, like, wills and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> just fatalist. <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh so when uh you get out did you start your career in comics like right after college or were you still in college when that happened um i was sort of still in college in my last year uh we had sort of had this this free studio class where we could do whatever we wanted it was a portfolio building class they mm-hmm. called it so i decided to work on a comic in that free time um and that became my first published work it was called Done to Death, and mm-hmm. it was a, a horror comedy, sort of a black comedy miniseries written by a guy from Edmonton, Andrew Foley, who I just met online on this like message board for yeah. local comic creators, um, and he sent me a few different ideas, and I liked this one, because it was sort of a satire of the vampire genre. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about this, uh, this sort of chubby acne-riddled teenager named Andy who wants to become a vampire so that he'll become, like, cool and sexy like Lestat. Of course. Uh, big fan of vampire novels. So <laughs> <laughs> he finds a vampire to turn him, but he just becomes sort of a chubby, nerdy vampire. <laughs> and, that, and he's really angry about this and goes on a murderous rampage. Um, oh my god, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and the other... Uh, the other protagonist is this woman who is an editor at um, the publisher who published uh, this world's most famous vampire novels. Mm-hmm. Sort of like a the Anne Rice of this world. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so the editor's job is to wait through the slush pile of really just terrible vampire manuscripts that get sent in by angsty teenagers all over the world <laughs> and she eventually just snaps and decides to go around killing the worst authors <laughs> so everyone's out on a killing spree yeah <laughs> it's a really like bloody vile and uh, hilarious story and uh, I, yeah i started working on it in my final year of school um and she found us a publisher mm-hmm. <laughs> mark Koja. they were based in the uk um to actually print this thing. <laughs> then I went to my first San Diego Comic-Con after graduating. Yeah. Um, and started getting work after that. How, how was Comic-Con back in the day? Back in the day? Oh, man, I guess it was, like, ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, kind of the same. Yeah? Just... Maybe there was a bit less less movie stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, a bit, does it feel, I mean, because... You, you've gone, I mean, you've gone back since then a few times, you know, right? Um, 
has it does it feel like it's it's changed all that much or is it still just as overwhelming as it it seems like from afar i think my perspective might be a bit warped because my first time there was in 2006 mm-hmm. and even if it was smaller back then it felt massive to me yeah so. <laughs> it's just big and people are everywhere and yeah <laughs> um but yeah i kind of feel like movie and tv had slightly less of a presence then yeah they weren't they weren't just pushing all the super yeah because that was right before iron man really so that was was like, iron man like 2008 i think it was yeah 2008 or 9 which was when like yeah. they really started hitting like big with with that kind of stuff so yeah you you probably were already comic book movies i guess there's like some of the x-men's yeah come out <laughs> uh, <Sin> City. <laughs> yeah okay fine that's a big deal that's what are are you a big fan of the comic book movies, or are you just kind of like, yeah, they're they're a thing out there? <laughs> uh, I really like some of them. Yeah. Um, my favorite out of all the superhero movies are the X Men movies. Um, I like them way better than any of the MCU stuff, actually. Really? Yeah. I don't I don't um, hear it that often. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, especially in the last two, um, that were really excellent. But I love the, the earlier Brian Singer ones as well. Yeah, they're um, they're definitely I, I I like with the first class ones. I've I have a love hate relationship with the X Men movies. Oh really? <laughs> the, Which ones do you hate? <laughs> uh, yeah, the I just don't care for the Wolverine is the only important character aspect of it. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's like no, you have all these other really great characters. <laughs> like Storm could have an entire movie devoted to her, please. Yeah. Like that—that's yeah. the stuff that always like gets me. Or it's just like, yeah, I get it. Hugh Jackman's awesome, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do. They're a little bit more of an ensemble, though, than your Captain America or your Thor movies. I feel, and um, I don't know. I guess I just think they're less formulaic. No, that's. You know I mean, that's totally fair. Like everyone has loves what they love. <laughs> no matter what the Marvel movies are supposedly about. They all end with two guys punching each other and blowing up something really big. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Credit where credit's due right there. <laughs> I, I feel like that's what's going to happen in Superman v. Batman Court Case of Justice. It's just, oh my gosh. It's just going to come down to them punching each other real hard. <laughs> I haven't seen the last, uh, I haven't seen the last Batman movie. The, or, um, Dark Knight Rises? Yeah, the one with Bane. Yeah, that uh, according to a lot of people, you could probably skip that one. Um, but uh, I have a I have a soft spot for the Nolan movies. Like I know there are significant problems with a lot of them, <laughs> but but they're like my jam. That's okay, you don't have to qualify it. You don't need a reason. <laughs> no, no, I have to qualify everything at this point. <laughs> I have friends who love Man of Steel who have to qualify it. At least with me, they have to qualify it. No, then, I think. You know, you can like whatever you like, and I probably won't make fun of you because <laughs> probably. <laughs> you know, I like Batman Forever. So there we. No, I still enjoy that one. I it it was like I think it was the first one I really saw in the movie theater too. Because uh, what bat, the first Batman eighty nine, I I was only five, so not not as likely that my parents were going to go take me to see that. Yeah, so we're the same age, I think. Okay. But yeah, I only. I remember Batman Forever. It was less terrible than Batman and Robin. 
Oh my god! So right. it has that going for it. My it has Val Kilmer. Uh huh. Great. Yep. <laughs> I love Jim Carrey as the Riddler, mm-hmm. and um, I'm not really that much of a Batman fan, so I didn't feel like anything was wrong with it. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. My. Honestly, I have no great attachment to Batman. It's a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. If you just don't think of it as a Batman movie, it's fine. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I, I'm. I'm a huge. I, I'm a big Batman person. So. But at that point, I wasn't, like, as obsessed. So subsequent movies, like, I'm actually not worried about Ben Affleck. He's, like, my least worry for this upcoming movie. Oh, you have greater worries. I Yeah, <laughs> like, story, and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's a big one. Yeah, I, I really want Wonder Woman to be done right. So that that's, like, a big one, too. She looks awesome, but uh, you never know with the dialogue and whatnot. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's the big one uh, for me because I want it to be done right, and because we we lack so many female heroes, you know, and this is the first one out for her. It's just like, oh man, it's either got to be good or what's going to happen after that. <laughs> it's stressful for fans. It <laughs> really is to want it to be good so badly but have absolutely no power over it. <laughs> exactly. You're just. I mean, I feel like maybe that was what it was for Star Wars for some people, like. Um, like maybe with the prequels, but also with Force Awakens, that it's just like I can't change any of this, and I want to change it so badly. <laughs> yeah, and it's all of the the fan edits on YouTube. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are there are a few that I really enjoy for the prequels. The um, how it, uh, what if it was a good movie kind of stuff uh-huh. uh, on belated media is really good. If you want to see like, hey, the prequels could have been good. I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like. But- Okay, my boyfriend then is adamant that the prequels are not great, but they're not as bad as everyone says. <laughs> he thinks it's just like a dog pile at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can tell him for me that I will I will nerd fight him. <laughs> <laughs> That's what everyone says. There we go. <laughs> I thought, you know, I'll give them another try because I haven't seen them in many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen Revenge of the Sith since it was in theaters. So uh, I thought I would rewatch them all with him, mm-hmm. and I've suddenly come around to thinking that there's there's certain things that I like about the prequels. That and fair enough. <laughs> Again, <laughs> I, I will nerd fight, but uh, you know, like you said, you like what you like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when um, when you started uh, in the comics industry after that very successful San Diego Comic Con. <laughs> Uh, did you just jump into like, was it more indie or were you actually part of the big, like one of the big two? Cause I know you worked for Marvel at one point, right? Yeah, I have done a little bit of stuff for Marvel, but, um, uh, the way I always sort of projected my career when I was in college and I imagined what it might be like to do comics was that I saw myself doing indie work because I had a sort of, um, kind of sloppy, artsy, art student drawing style (laughs) that wasn't very commercial or very clean, Mm -hmm. and I didn't think I'd ever get hired to do mainstream work or be put on a superhero book, so I sort of planned out this indie career for myself, Um, and then I got hired by Wildstorm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There we go. Changed everything. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to be indie. It's like, here, have this. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Like, the most... Superhero-y. Yeah. Superhero-y. <laughs> um, were you were you just drawing like uh, like small stories, or were you on like a full book? Or well, the first thing they hired me for 
was the comic adaptation of the movie Trick or Treat, which is a horror Sweet. movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I got that job because of Dent to Death, my first comic. Mm-hmm. Um, the director of Trick or Treat, writer-director, Michael Doherty, saw it um, and hired me to do his book, wow. which happened to be published by Wildstorm. Mm-hmm. So I sort of snuck into Wildstorm that way. <laughs> Get a little grandfathered <laughs> in on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, my editor there, Scott Peterson, was kind enough to give me more work following Trick or Treat on uh, an Authority spinoff about the character Jack Coxmore. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of a superhero. He doesn't wear tights or anything, but he's got powers and he saves cities. <laughs> um. he's, not, he's not so much into the spandex, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what Scott really wanted to put me on uh, was this pitch that he got from Aaron Williams called North 40, which was a horror book. Um, he just wanted to sort of uh, test me out on Hawksmoor because the the artist for that had bailed or gone missing or something. <laughs> he did summer right away. So. We were going to send a search party, but then we found Fiona and we were just like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with, um, with Trick or Treat, like... Uh, what was it like working on a, an established property like that? Did they did they give you like free reign to kind of mess around with it, or were you trying to like stick to a certain aesthetic for them? Um, it was interesting because it wasn't like a, a sequel or a spinoff of the movie story. It was a straight up adaptation of a storyline in the movie. Oh, okay. But the movie wasn't out yet, so I couldn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So they sent me. A script, which I think was just the movie script, uh, chopped into pages. Mm-hmm. Um, did did you? I mean, did they already they already picked out which story they wanted you to do, or did you get to pick which? Yeah, one? Uh, there's sort of four interwoven storylines in Trick or Treat mm-hmm. in the movie. Uh, so they did four issues of the comic, and oh, mine okay. was about this old retired bus driver who gets terrorized by a little Halloween demon. Oh, the, he's the one getting uh, terrorized by uh, Salin or Samane or... Sam, yeah. Yeah. He's a little pumpkin hip guy. <laughs> he's, he's so adorable, and yet you're just freaked out by him. Exactly. So. <laughs> he's cute till he takes off his burlap sack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Monstrosity. Oh. So they sent me, like, um, all of the concept art for the movie, mm-hmm. and some stills, and some photos that they'd taken on set. But I, I don't know if there is much footage at that point. Because mm-hmm. I think they were possibly still filming it. I don't know what stage of production the movie itself is in. But mm-hmm. I couldn't actually see the movie. <laughs> so I just had to guess <laughs> what everything was supposed to look like. I assume this, and uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it didn't really matter. Yeah. D- <laughs> did they release it concurrently with the release of the movie? Or did they do, like, after the fact, something like that? Um, I think both the movie and the comic were pushed back. I can't remember when they came out, though. Oh, okay. I think they might have come out around the same time, mm-hmm. about a year later. <laughs> uh, how did you? I, I'm noticing a uh, a theme here with the the slightly horrific uh, comics, and uh, is is that a, a genre that you tend to you know want to be drawn to, or that you, you just kind of I don't, I don't know with you know when your work is just kind of okay. Here's a horror. Here's a horror comic. Here's a horror comic. Do you feel like you were trying to expand, or did you like doing horror comics? Uh, I love doing horror comics, but it kind of happened accidentally, mm-hmm. because uh, when I when Andrew Foley sent me a bunch of his pitches to choose from, I picked Dunch Death because it was funny, not because it was a horror. Okay. Um, 
And then I just ended up getting all this other horror work. Okay. Oh. <laughs> it just kind of followed <laughs> suit. Yeah. <laughs> I think my entire career, I've kind of just followed the path of least resistance. Okay. <laughs> it's like, you want to do this? Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, I've just taken whatever comes my way. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a terrible problem to have, quite frankly. <laughs> Seems yeah. to be working out well for you. Yeah, well, I really fell in love with horror. Um, I never liked watching horror movies until I started working on that kind of book, mm-hmm. and then I just watched as many as I could. Is uh, there a particular favorite horror movie that uh, you enjoy watching over and over? Or do you like to keep it fresh and just a new one every time? Uh, yeah, most of them don't really have much uh, value in repeated viewings. Uh-huh. I, mean, I mean, you know, when all the scares are coming, the exception <laughs> to that would be The Woman in Black, either the old one or the remake with Daniel Radcliffe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still terrifying to me every time. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, cause I, I was one of those people who, like, with horror movies, I, I would be that annoying person who would try and talk through them, cause that would keep me centered. Like, I'm, I, I don't particularly like to be, like, freaked out. So, I had, I had a, 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 a really close friend of mine who loved horror movies. And he was like, I wanna watch, like, Silent Hill with you, you know? And so, he, he offered a back rub for it, and I was like, alright, fine. But then I started talking through it because that made it less scary for me, and he got so mad at me. <laughs> yeah, he's mad because you're not scared. <laughs> that, well, and to be fair, I don't think Silent Hill was all that scary, really. So. I think I thought it was scary the first time, then I watched it again, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it, it lost everything. There you go. I, I had that with um, Jur- Jurassic Park, oddly enough. Uh, my sister, my mom, and my dad and I all went and saw it, and I remember being freaked out, and because of the noise, and the dinosaurs, and the eating people, and I, I had my head, like, squarely in my father's lap most of the movie. Like, I was just freaked out. And then, the next year, it comes out on video, and you watch, you're like, oh, it wasn't that scary. Still awesome, but not scary anymore. Well, it's a small screen that time. Yeah, that's probably it. Not a life-size T-Rex. Yeah, I'll sh- I should try and do it now with, like, the bigger, you know, screen that I have and, like, surround sound and be like, oh, no, my God! <laughs> no, it's, it's too late. <laughs> you can never get that first viewing experience. Ah, uh, damn. <laughs> I can't get my childhood back, Fiona. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but try watching The Woman in Black alone. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm much more like a thriller person, I think. Like, I like the the intensity but I don't necessarily want the, like, blood and gore part of everything. So what's a thriller? Like, a action thriller? Yeah, or something that's more um, unsettling, I suppose. Like, um, I don't know I don't know if you've ever watched Doctor Who. Mm. No, mm. only a few episodes here and there. No, um, there, but there's just, uh, there's an episode where, at the end of it, you're basically afraid of statues. I've seen that one. Yeah, Blink. So, <laughs> yeah. there you go, like, of all the episodes. <laughs> yeah. So I like things like that where it's more like you just kind of come out come out of it with like a the world has shifted slightly for you. <laughs> like, like th- those are the ones that I uh, I think I gravitate to more than like oh no zombies again. If you like creepy psychological or metaphysical stuff, mm-hmm. uh, you should watch the movie Triangle from I think like two thousand seven. Okay, it's really good. It's about um. Uh, this woman who goes boating with some of her friends, their boat capsizes in a storm, mm-hmm. and this huge, like, cruise liner appears, Okay, and they get on it, um, and then and hilarity like ensues? ghost ship, except maybe there are other people on board, Okay, and they appear to get stuck in 
I, I don't want to spoil it. Okay. It's one of those movies where, like, there's just so many surprises and twists that you can't try to describe the plot to someone. <laughs> so, so I imagine hilarity does not ensue. There's no funny parts. Damn. There's no jokes in it. All right. <laughs> it's just really gripping, and there's many, many layers to it. Okay. Check out Triangle. Triangle. I will do that, and then if it doesn't do it for me, I'm going to let you know about it. Let me know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we'll do another podcast and talk about triangle. There we go. <laughs> like, in this corner, Fiona Staples defending triangle. In this corner, <laughs> Sam pouting. <laughs> That's what'll happen. <laughs> uh, so let's we'll, we'll get into your your more well known work because I have I actually have Mystery Society uh, that you worked oh. on with Steve Niles. Um, I'd actually bought it because I thought I was going to do a podcast with Steve a long time ago, and I was like, oh my god, he did that, and Fiona did that too, oh my god, this will work out. Uh, and so I read it, and, and I really enjoyed it. It's really awesome. Oh, Steve is great. Yeah. He's a great writer, and I think he's like genuinely one of the nicest people in comics. Oh, really? Yeah. He's just like, got a great heart. Yeah. I love because I um, I'm friends with him on Facebook as well, and, and like he's, he'll put out the daily picture of his, of his turtle. Gil. Yeah, Gil. Yeah. <laughs> Which I just find endearing. It's just so cute. <laughs> yeah, this turtle has his own fan base, I think. That, you know, it's not surprising. He is, I uh... like it when he eats grapes. <laughs> <laughs> there was a picture that was going around the internet a while ago. This wasn't about Gil, but it was a tiny little turtle trying to eat, like, a strawberry. And... Yes, I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's got, like, the happiest... It's probably on my Pinterest board. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's just, like, the happiest little turtle. <laughs> Like, Gary's as big as he is. Oh my god. Like, I, I think one of the memes was like, I want to feel as happy about something as this turtle feels about eating a strawberry. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Oh my god. Uh, so how did how did you come into doing Mystery Society? Uh, it was pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, Steve had just seen North 40 mm-hmm. and like messaged me on Facebook to ask if I wanted to be Mystery Society. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, it was the it's the robot that reminded me of oh what was it? It was the Return to Oz movie. I actually haven't seen that. Yeah, okay. It, it was just really weird that the when I saw the robot in Mystery Society, which I forgot his name. Well, it's Jules Verne's brain. There we go. Suit. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to. It was like I know it's a famous person playing. <laughs> yes. like, you just call him Verne. There we go. And he's pretty goofy. Yeah, he's like he. He just kind of reminded me of the Return to Oz robot, but the fact that you haven't seen it, maybe it's just, uh, that's just me projecting, so. I'll have to it. There we go. <laughs> that's a movie that freaks me out still to this day. Like, Is that the one with Flying Monkeys? It's not Flying Monkeys, but there, because it's supposed to be a sequel to Wizard of Oz, but um, it's done in, I think, the late 80s, early 90s, maybe, something like that. And it's Feruza Balk? Feruza Balk? Okay, she's on a lot of scary stuff. Yeah, she play, she's very young in it. She's playing Dorothy. And there are just some freaky things that, that every time I've seen it before, you know, afterwards, I've just been like, yep, still freaked out by that. <laughs> so, <laughs> Is uh, it a kid's movie, though? Supposedly. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> One of those late 80s dark kids movies. Exactly. Like, the, the things where you're like, why were they letting us watch this? Yeah, I think it's good for us, though. Definitely, yeah. It, I mean, it gives you kind of uh, a sense of what fear is. <laughs> yeah, in like a, a safe way. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I had that discussion 
I did Geek Girl Con this uh, last year, and we were talking about um, animation, and, and uh, basically I was praising like Steven Universe and Legend of Korra and all that for um, for just kind of like push you know raising the bar for children's entertainment. Uh, and the discussion actually did end up going to like those kinds of movies or your, um, was it American Tales and your, uh, oh, what is it? All Dogs Go to Heaven, those kinds of movies where they have a very strong, like, okay, this is what death is, kids. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and and in this day and age where we've gone through a, a weird coddling period, where everyone has to feel safe and okay and everything and it's just like well that's not what the real world is like yeah um i don't know i don't know if kids are into that or if they prefer having darker stories i guess it depends on the child yeah really you know you have to figure out what they're okay with and (laughs) what you need to talk to them about yeah when i was little though like i loved the secret of nim oh my god yeah labyrinth and the dark crystal and then my uh, my sister and my sister still can't watch Dark Crystal. She hated it so much. <laughs> my mom can do the Skeksy voice really good, mm. so she'll just be like, mm. "My sister's like, no, you get away from me." <laughs> so it's always fun to kind of torture her because even in my thirties, it's still fun to torture my it's still sister. Still paying off. Good. <laughs> I'm just going like trial by stone. <laughs> So, but Labyrinth uh, actually kind of freaked me out as a kid. David Bowie freaked me out as a kid, so. Yeah, I mean, he's sinister in that. Mm Mm-hmm. And and especially when you're young, and, I mean, because, you know, what, uh, Jennifer Connelly is is fairly, you know, she's, what, late teens, early 20s in that, probably? I think she was only 14. Is she? Okay, so then she's the appropriate age for that. I could be wrong, but that sounds right to me. There you go. (laughs) I'll take your word on it. I trust you. (laughs) I was watching, like, a making of Labyrinth on some DVD extra where David Bowie was talking about how impressed he was with her performance, how she was young, but, um, you know, she's such a, a talented actress and this mm-hmm. might've been her first role. I think uh, so. He yeah. was very complimentary to Jennifer Conley. He seemed, he seemed like a very nice man. <laughs> yeah. And they had like a good chemistry. I don't mean like a sexual chemistry, obviously, <laughs> That's gross, but like a good on screen chemistry mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes you invested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you really want you know Sarah to win, and but then you're you're still enticed yeah, by the. Kind of wanted her to go for Jared. Yeah. <laughs> I guess there's some kind of like I think it's like a fanfic or a fan comic that kind of explores their relationship after the uh, after Labyrinth. That's supposed to be really good. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, and and now, did you hear that they're gonna remake it? No, seriously? Yeah, there was there was a, a story that was up that I just saw, actually, before we started talking, where they were talking, um, it is, oh, it's someone, oh, the woman who co-wrote Guardians of the Galaxy with James Gunn, uh, Nicole Perlman, is writing, she's not saying it's rebooting, but I guess it's going to be some kind of a continuation of Labyrinth? That's cool. I guess, I don't think it needs to be, it could easily be, like, a soft reboot. Yeah. Or, like... I don't know, the thing about a story like Labyrinth, where the world is something created by the protagonist, is that if you just change the main character, mm-hmm. make it some other kid, they could um, they could create their own Labyrinth in like a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a goblin queen this time. Exactly, yeah. There you go. We'll find some uh, avant-garde pop star. Oh, it's probably just be Lady <laughs> Gaga at this point. <laughs> well, it would have to be Tilda Swinton, I think, if we're just... Ooh. 
gender swapping. Might as well. I mean, she's <laughs> obviously the female David Bowie. <laughs> so she's just, I mean, and she's so good. Like I saw a uh, snow piercer. I actually watched it not that long ago. And I was just like, man, she's just so good. She's so good. Yeah. She and... should be in everything. <laughs> <laughs> and she's going to be what, uh, she's going to be in Dr. Strange. I know that, uh, playing like the ancient <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. I'm not too familiar with Dr. Strange. In Neither. The yeah, neither am I. All I know is that she's in it, and she's playing a deity of some sort. So. Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> yeah. I, I, have you seen Constantine? Uh, the Keanu Reeves? No, oh. I haven't seen it. She's in that playing the angel Gabriel. So, uh, oh, nice. Yeah, it's appropriate, and I still think that movie works. So, <laughs> that's, okay. an, that's another bone was of contention it, movie. Was it popular? Or do people generally like it? Uh, it... it it's more of a cult movie for a lot of people because it's not real. It's adapting a story in Hellblazer, but a lot of people were like really not happy with Keanu Reeves playing him because he's not British, nor blonde, nor looks like Sting. Just like <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if you think of it as not a Constantine movie, it's great. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You just take the whole, like, this is a Constantine movie. Just a costume farce. <laughs> there you go. It's like Keanu Reeves. I, I've, you know, I like Keanu Reeves, so uh, I'm okay with that. John Wick was awesome, so. <laughs> I'll just watch that all the time. Um, so I think we should probably move on to Saga at some point. All right, fair enough. All right. <laughs> so I... I, I do you know that what Brian just kind of asked you, right? Brian uh, Kavon was just like, do this comic with me, will you? Yeah, well, it's another thing I have to thank Steve Niles for, because mm-hmm. um, he was sort of friends with Brian, so when Brian was asking around if anyone knew an artist that would be good for Saga, Steve recommended me. Mm-hmm. So that was how Brian got in touch with me. There we go. Um, I, I, I wrote a thing uh, for, it was the uh, London School of Economics about saga and representation, basically. Uh, a lot of praise uh, for the representation in the comics. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, because that is one of the things that um, I remember when the first cover came out for it, and it was Alana with, you know, uh, breastfeeding Hazel. And, you know, some people were just freaking out about it. For no reason. Well, they had reasons, but... Yeah, no. I don't know. One or two people. <laughs> yeah. No, no one else really cared, but um, but it's just this thing where Saga consistently um, pushes uh, boundaries of... And I don't want to even... I don't really like saying the word appropriateness, but I guess, you know, what uh, what people... Um, uh, I don't know. what What is entertaining in terms of comic books, because... It's uh, there was an article I read where he, you know, it's t- talking about Brian is writing a post nine eleven comic book, which I don't know how much of that is true or it's just the the author kind of uh, you know projecting. Um, okay, I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, I, it's kind <laughs> of this comic, like this idea of like the, the the comic book is a response to like you know reactions of nine eleven, like how we treat media and uh, war and everything like that. So I don't know, that might be like going way too far. <laughs> it's like, can you speak to that Fiona? Like, take your time. <laughs> I don't think I've analyzed her book as well as But uh, it's, it's just a, a comic that w- whenever I look at it, it's just like, this is this is the way I want to see like comic books going, like pushing boundaries, you know, just being like this is this is what can be appropriate for anybody, you know, 
given the right age, I suppose. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um, well, I guess we just felt like um, this is our chance to make the comic that we want to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one is going to tell us not to do something. Yeah. <laughs> or they might, but we don't have to listen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, I mean... And, I was just kind of like, he's Brian K. Vaughn. We can get away with anything. We can still sell a few. <laughs> can get away with murder. It's like, yes! Yeah. <laughs> Finally! Um, so, and it, it was the chance to make the book that we'd always wanted to make, the book that we'd like to read, all of that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's such a, it feels like such a, a genre-bending kind of thing, too. Like, you have, you can have all the science fiction, you can have all the fantasy elements that you want. Um, yeah. It's just really... I mean, I I assume a lot a lot of it is your imagination because you're you're putting it all out there in the uh, in the pictures basically. Uh, but how much of it is you versus Brian in terms of like when you're collaborating? Uh, I don't know. It's really hard to say actually mm-hmm. because um, we don't go back and forth a huge amount, but okay. I think we do really influence each other, like. Um, I feel like Brian is writing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the script is just sort of him talking to me. <laughs> and then the art that I send back is my reply. Oh, that's actually <laughs> so, really adorable. <laughs> uh, we don't go nuts sending back sketches and notes or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's a really streamlined process, I know. It- or he just sends me the script and I send back the art. Is that <laughs> well, how? Well, I do thumbnails first. I oh, okay. Is it? Because I imagine when you were first starting, it was a little bit more. I mean, you you know, discussing like how the characters looked, you know, uh, how the environment was going to be shaped, everything like that. So you just feel like it's it's kind of gotten to a point where you can just you can feel it out between the two of you. Yeah, in the beginning, uh, we were still getting to know each other, mm-hmm. but I think it clicked really quickly yeah um and i sort of got what he was doing pretty quickly and he realized he got a feel for my art pretty fast yeah like it didn't take long for him to realize um well fiona likes funny animals (laughs) (laughs) cute stuff um i i will say that goose is uh is one of the just the cutest most amazing like little like you just feel like he's gonna like stab you with an axe at some point (laughs) thank you it's just adorable goose is kind of like a meaningful character to me because he was just something out of my sketchbook that i convinced brian to put in the comic and he actually (laughs) went for it um so it just makes me really happy that we're working on the sort of book that is serious at times, but not too serious to have a cute little talking seal. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's one of the things that I really do appreciate about it is that there are these, you know, seemingly like heavy issues that he's talking about and this very real sounding, you know, this, this very real relationship that, you know, people get out of Alana and Marco. Um, I mean, when he did that fake out and it was like, this is the story of how my parents split up. I I was like so emotionally invested in that moment. <laughs> like, it's like no, they they can't. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I'm a child of divorce too, so it was just like, no, mom and dad can't split up again. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's in a good way. I mean, uh, I think it's I I I expect Brian to to fake out at certain points, like. Um, 
I, I always love those turnarounds at the end of an arc. Uh, like when you find out that, you know, the family had been in the uh, the lighthouse for the entire week already, you know, like just the... Oh, yeah, I was blown away. I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> do, do you just the like... Time jump. <laughs> oh, my God. The time jumps are amazing, too. I love that um, with Hazel being like a little toddler and now she's, what, six or seven, I think? Um, uh, she's five now. She's five. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh uh, and it's just, it's really great to have that kind of, you have like all these people who are invested in this, this, uh, Romeo and Juliet-esque relationship that goes beyond Romeo and Juliet now, or it's like, they are, they are an established couple, they have a child and we want, we are rooting for them so hard, <laughs> but they yeah. keep going through these trials and you're just like, oh my God, I don't know if my heart can take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing's ever easy in the nope. universe. Sure. <laughs> it really isn't, but I, and I think that, I mean, speaking for myself, I can't speak for the rest of the world. Um, not yet anyway. Um, like I, I appreciate that things are not easy. You know, it, it would be, it would be easy to make things, you know, less hard for Marco and Alana. Um, but yeah, this is definitely a world where everything has consequences. Mm -hmm. Every violent act, you know, sex has consequences. Yep. Cutting someone's hand off does to you. <laughs> like I, yeah, <laughs> I felt. Matters. I felt for Sophie when uh, the brand, like spoilers for Saga, obviously, but when the brand died, when she, when her body oh, got that was the worst, <laughs> so hard. <laughs> she was my favorite. <laughs> was she? <laughs> yeah. Like when she shows up with the with Sweet Boy, you're just kind of like, this is automatically a cool character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you can sort of tell who I like because I tried to make them look cooler. Yeah. There. You go. <laughs> <laughs> like the will and lying cats just became i think almost instant uh like celebrity characters practically <laughs> it it just feels like that too. like lying cat just uh, lying cat especially just kind of stood out from the first like um the first volume i think the first arc um i, I mean with with a book like this it has become so celebrated and you've won a crap ton of awards for it as well um I mean, do you have, do you feel like you have perspective on it, like in terms of the fan base or your, you know, your contributions to it? Um, I don't know if I have a, a good perspective, especially mm -hmm. after taking a year off, <laughs> kind of removed from the fan base, mm -hmm. you know, not going to conventions or anything. Do you feel so, like you, you just needed the break from it or? Um, yeah, because I had so much work this year, mm -hmm. going to a convention uh, really throws me off. No. <laughs> <laughs> For longer than the convention actually lasts. It takes me a few days to recover afterwards. Mm -hmm. And, I don't know, even with our built-in breaks, our schedule is so tight that I really need every weekend mm -hmm. and every evening to work on the book. So. <laughs> uh, what is what is the average, um, you know, time schedule for, like, an issue? Um, more at the beginning of the arc, mm -hmm. less towards the end as I slowly get further and further behind. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, throw it all together, see if it works. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> so I'm really glad we built in these uh, breaks in our schedule. Mm -hmm. I think it works out for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we weren't sure at first. But it was basically our only choice. Yeah, <laughs> because otherwise the book was just going to be late. Yeah. Uh, and I think at this point you're, you know, it could be late, and people would just be like, "No, no, you take your time. 
Like, we will be here and we will read it. (laughs) I know I will. That would be nice, but, you know, it would kill me to have a late book. Mm -hmm. I'd just be just so ashamed. Oh. (laughs) Like, especially with our hiatus, there's just no excuse for me now to get behind, barring, like, some sort of medical disaster. Like, well, Um, knock on wood if you have any, like... (laughs) Yeah, it's extremely important for me to stay on schedule, Mm -hmm. even if it means not doing any cons or, like, leaving the house. (laughs) So when you took on the Archie, I mean, you only did three issues of Archie, right? Yeah, so it kind of fit nicely into our saga hiatus. Mm -hmm. I just gave up my, all of my downtime this year. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, oh, you poor thing. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, was that just... I think it was worth it, though. No, it was a, it was a great redesign, and, um, uh, I assume it was just Mark, you know, instant messaging you and going, hey, you want to work on Archie with me for a second? <laughs> well, it was actually Archie that approached me oh, before really? I knew that Mark was on the book. Oh. And I wasn't even, I wasn't even totally sure at first. I didn't think I could fit it in. Mm-hmm. They wanted me to do as many issues as possible, and I didn't even know if a relaunch was a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Archie totally is such an iconic it. book, too, like, especially yeah. for its design. Yeah, like the president at Archie, Mike Pellerito, was on the phone, like, telling me about this super confidential secret relaunch they're working on, and he told me they were going to reboot Archie from number one Mm -hmm. with a new storyline and new character designs, and they want me to do it. And And I was like, like, how can I politely tell the president of Archie that this is a terrible idea? (laughs) (laughs) No one wants that. <laughs> you just jump up and you're like, you go to hell. <laughs> like, yeah. Run out of the room. Um, then he told me that Mark Wade was writing it, and mm. I asked if I could talk to Mark before making up my mind. Yeah. And uh, I'm making this out like it was a really hard sell. Not because <laughs> I think I'm too good for Archie or anything, mm-hmm. but because I absolutely love Archie. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought... A relaunch is just going to screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> Had um, you been reading, like, the, the the other books that they were doing, like, Afterlife with Archie or Life, you know? Uh... Yeah, and I loved that. But, like, a spinoff series in an alternate universe is one thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, rebooting the, uh, the flagship book. Yeah, the book another. proper. <laughs> and I've been reading Archie my whole life. It was, like, oh. like <laughs> You're like, how... I mean, and then... I, I assume, like, with talking to Mark, you were you were brought on board, obviously. Yeah, I had a phone conversation with Mark, and he told me, like, what Archie means to him and how he sees the characters and what his ideas are mm-hmm. for the pre-launch. And the first thing he said to me was, okay, first of all, there's nothing wrong with Archie. And <laughs> <laughs> he established that uh, we would just be adding, like, a bit of nuance and complexity to mm-hmm. the characters' lives. We weren't going to be fundamentally changing them, and it would still be a light-hearted, all-ages humor book. Yeah, just the most important thing. I uh, convinced me pretty quickly. There we go. Um, yeah. When you were redesigning them, uh, I mean, definitely with the character models, you stuck very close to you know, um, I guess wardrobe-wise, uh, what they would be you know kind of wearing. But you know, what was your approach to kind of updating them? I guess. I didn't do much except just draw them in my style. <laughs> Honestly, it was a pretty lazy update. <laughs> and I'm getting a lot of credit for <laughs> That'll be the headline. <laughs> Fiona Staples admits lazy update. <laughs> I changed as little as possible because I thought just drawing them in a different style is shocking enough. Mm-hmm. It'd be 
completely jarring if I like change their hair color or you know <laughs> their just body shape or anything like that. Just ease people into <laughs> the Archie universe. Yeah. I mean they needed to be recognizable. Mm-hmm. So. Like suddenly Jughead has a tattoo on his face. And everyone's <laughs> yeah. like, What? Well anything's possible if you're reading Chip Zdarsky and Erica Henderson's Jughead series. That is true. <laughs> Anything Chip I does. Be out of place in that book. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, um, I think people just give Chip well, you know, reign over everything, and they're like, <laughs> whatevs, it'll be fine. Yeah, with the redesigns, all of the the press was like, Jonah Staples puts Archie in skinny jeans. <laughs> and I'm like, they're not that skinny. They're just normal jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I mean, Archie has always been pretty current, because mm-hmm. they've been constantly making them for 75 years. Yeah. Um, so if you look at any of the new comics, like they are in current fashions and they have iPhones, mm-hmm. so it's not like they've been hopelessly outdated. <laughs> yeah, Ar- Archie was updating things before even mainstream comics were. I mean, they had uh, was it Kevin Keller? Uh, you know, got married and you know, he was yeah, the damn hero and everything. I mean, they had a. I think like, Archie is fearless. They'll do anything. Yeah, and, I mean, do you feel like that's longevity, or it's just that they feel like they're representing the, you know, American youth to an extent, so they, they might as well get it right? Yeah, that, and they're a private company, and they can just do whatever they want with their characters. There we go. <laughs> and it always seems to pay off for them, so yeah. I think that's just their model now. Well, you know, when they have, like... things, see what works. Mm-hmm. They have loyal artists and writers who want to... I mean, I think that speaks to the company when you have people like Mark Wade and, and you as well, and, you know, with Francesco Francavilla uh, doing... trying to do right by Archie in a lot of ways. Like, there's no... We, we just want to completely change everything. It's, no, how can we still maintain what Archie is and what it means to us? Yeah, that's exactly what we were trying to do. Mm-hmm. And you've done it very well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Are, are you going to be returning to the book at all, or are you just those three um, issues? I don't have any plans to right now. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's in pretty good hands. Yeah. I don't know if any Woo or Veronica Fish will be coming back, but the issues they've done are just gorgeous. Oh my god, yeah. Amazing work on it. I love I love Annie's work because uh, I, I read uh, Black Canary as well, so it's uh, it's just like oh my god, I want her to draw every band in existence. Yeah, totally. She's very versatile. I feel like she could do almost any book. Pretty much, let's do it. Get her on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, okay, how was I going to approach this? Uh, I really loved your sexy orc, Dave. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the harder pieces for my art dealer to sell, but I think it eventually went. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I really feel like that was the first instance of like um, rat queen sexy art, especially for the male characters. <laughs> You you might have started that movement. No, no, I was actually inspired by a sexy Sawyer that someone else had drawn. Oh. That I saw on Tumblr. You're like, well, I can do <laughs> I a sexy... Like, I, gotta, I gotta get on this. <laughs> <laughs> like, something's, something's starting here, and I want to be part of it. <laughs> I'm gonna get on this bandwagon and <laughs> yeah. ride it all the way. <laughs> but I, I think it was just one of those instances where I was like, oh my god, I didn't even think of Orc Dave as that sexy, and now it's like, he's the sexiest guy. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you just enjoy doing that kind of like fan art for other people's books or was it just like a I, I know you were trying to get on the bandwagon but is it a thing you, you like to do a lot for, for other books yeah whenever I have time I love doing fan art of mm. books or games or whatever I'm into yeah um, I usually feel like I can't justify it though if I'm behind on Saga <laughs> I can't really 
feel good about spending my time doing anything else. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, it's only Saga, and then I have time for something else. But every so often, there will be a little window in my schedule where mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't have anything to do immediately. I can do some fan art, something for fun. <laughs> and it's, like, extremely gratifying. Yeah. And you can just be like, I did this, and this is, I had the time for it, and I don't feel like I let anyone down, and it's all good. And like... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's fun to do, and it's fun to also promote stuff that I'm into. Mm-hmm. Is there, uh, are there any books that you're looking at now that you're just like, I would want to do like a, um, like a, a one-off or, you know, do a cover for like recently that, that you've been thinking about? Mm, I'm pretty behind in my reading, but I'd like to do some fan art of some of the Capitara characters. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I love that book. Yeah. Um. I've been reading Paper Girls, so oh, I, I feel it. like I should just cliff Chang or something. For it, but just cliff Chang all the way. I just yeah. Uh... I don't want to like step on anyone's toes. <laughs> it's so beautiful. <laughs> well, what I really I enjoy don't is you like it's me, Fiona. Look at me now. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> well, what I really enjoy about, because I, I mean, I follow you on Twitter and everything, and I follow a lot of other artists that you're friends with as well. Uh, what I really enjoy is kind of watching you guys trade off, like, character, you know, like, I drew this character from this book, and oh my god, like, you guys are just, you're, you're funny for for one thing. Um, but then just being able to kind of... I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you and Sean Murphy... Uh, are just like the best sometimes. Oh, Sean's great. I disagree with him all the time, but we're very good friends. <laughs> Those are the best types of relationships sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but it always is, is kind of fun to to watch you guys like, oh, oh man, I drew this, and you're just like, that's so cool. And like, <laughs> yeah, well, he's one of the best artists in the industry. Tokyo Ghost is pretty damn sweet. Yeah. <laughs> like, so. knots and everything. I wanted to make friends with him to steal his secrets. Well, you can just, you know, eat his heart and gain his power, I suppose. Yeah, probably next time I see him at a convention. There you go. Like, you're going to be at Emerald City, right? So you guys can... (laughs) You're like, hey, Sean, oh my god, why are you doing that? Like, I'm going to eat your heart. Ah." It'll be worth it, trust me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry about it, it's fine. (laughs) Something along those lines, I suppose. Um, And just kind of going back to Saga very briefly, um, is it... I don't imagine, like, it's a book that you would ever want to uh, stop doing, but uh, is is it something that you and Brian have discussed, like, you kind of have an endpoint in mind, or is it just going until we don't want to do it anymore? Uh, both, I guess. Oh, okay. Um, Brian knows how it's going to end, but uh, we can stretch you? it out as long as we want to, basically. Okay. So far, Hazel is almost aging in real time. She's five, and the book is four. Oh, there we go. So, I don't know if it'll continue that way, or if there'll be another massive time jump, or if she'll be 13 for seven years, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah, we can make it last as long as we want or need it to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did hear a rumor that you guys purposely made it the way it is, like, in terms of, like, the scope and scale, because you don't want it to be adapted you know, for, you just want to keep it in the comics, or, or is that just a complete, like, bunk? Oh, well, Brian says that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we would mind if mm-hmm. it was adapted one way or another. We just don't think 
it's possible. Right now? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't really see how it can be done. Just get that HBO but series going. If someone smarter than me came to us and said, I know exactly how to do this, then it'll be great. Then, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> no one said that, though. Yet. <laughs> Not yet. <Yeah. laughs> One day they'll come to you and... <laughs> yeah, maybe. There's <laughs> going to be someone who wants to do that, like, uh, what, 13-episode miniseries, be like, no, no, I've figured it out. I've cracked the code. <laughs> You're like, yeah, Alan. <laughs> totally ruling it out. But we're not banking on it either. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, we're at we're at an hour, a little bit over. So um, I I really just want to thank you for coming on the the podcast and and sharing your stories and just being overall awesome. Oh, thank you for having me here. Yeah. Great conversation. <laughs> awesome. Good. Uh, so this this one is going to go out next Friday. Uh, is there are is Saga coming out anytime soon, or is there anything you want to promote? Uh, you know, before that, or after um, that. I think Saga Thirty Three comes out next Wednesday. Okay, so and that's all I got. That's like yeah. that's, that's all you <laughs> that's need at this job. point. <laughs> <laughs> it's all we want. <laughs> uh, and are there any um, conventions? I know you're going to Emerald City, but are there any other ones you're going to be attending in the future? Uh, it hasn't really been decided yet. Okay. So as it stands, just Emerald City. Look for me there. Cool. Like, I will look for you there. I will be there. Awesome. Can't wait to meet face to face. Yay! Um, And uh, so for anyone who's listening and wants to maybe follow you or uh, see where your art is stored, uh, where can they find you online? It's just Fiona Staples on everything. On everything. Fiona Staples on Twitter, Fiona Staples on Tumblr, and Instagram. If you have a question of what it might be, just assume Fiona Staples. Yeah, safe bet. Yay! Uh, and for those interested uh, in my deets, it is at darling underscore Sammy, S-A-M-M-Y. You can also go to maniacalgeek.com, where I host the podcast, and also on iTunes, and give us stars. I don't know why I'm saying us, it's just me. Um, give stars and feedback, it's always appreciated. And uh, once again, thank you so much, Fiona, for coming on, and uh, it was so cool to talk to you, and I didn't freak out that much. So. <laughs> I freaked out a little bit. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody did. Thanks <laughs> like, for having me. Yay! Thank you so much, and uh, goodbye, everybody.